Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hi, you've reached the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. It's Liz and Matt. And today we are talking about Jonathan Taylor, A.J. Dillon, Denzel Mims, Justin Jefferson. Those are rookies. If you don't know their name, you will soon because they stood out at the Combine and should be on your radar for draft season. Is one of them the next Derrick Henry? (laughs) Many would say, shut up, Matt and Liz. Okay, we know Burrow and Sua will probably be the first two quarterbacks off the board, but who's going to be third? Uh, Who knows? Uh, I also made some bold predictions about where the free agent quarterbacks will go. Vegas, baby. Or Vegas Brady. Oh, you got it. Listen to that. Wait, wait to spoil it. Listen anyway. Beep. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Liz Loza. Matt Harmon is here. So is Brett Raider. And we have so much to discuss. We do? No, we don't. <laughs> no. We don't. Oh, boy. Matt, what is the your favorite thing right now this time of year? My- What's like your favorite thing? You mean like an all of life? All or, well, it depends. Like right. Like answer the question. P- discovering new recipes that I because during the season, it's kind of like, OK, I'm just eating what I need to survive, you know, because you're not like really. Your I mean, wellness brand takes a hit during the season. Is that what you're not saying? Not even really. It's just the like hashtags kind of like aren't as effective. No, I wouldn't say that. I would just say it's more like. Well, I know I can eat chicken, broccoli, and rice and survive. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's it. But, you know, this time of year, there's so much time to honestly probably create and cook things that are not on the wellness brand. But there's also a lot more time to work out, which is nice. You know, you got, like, an hour and a half in, hour and a half in a gym, and you know you didn't miss any news, and nothing's going on right now. Right. It's nice. That's probably my favorite thing about this time of year. Cool. What about you? Uh, I, seeing friends. Also hiking. I like to hike. I hike, tried to hike in season once a week, and now I can do that a little bit more. This is riveting content. Anyway, yeah, everyone um, was dying to know. <laughs> also, the combine was riveting content, so much so that it was placed on primetime. We weren't allowed to talk about it last week because of the move and our recording date. The move to primetime, that is. You're allowed to talk about it. You just would have just been making up numbers. Brett advised against it. Yeah. Right. And which we is a good always producer. take. Brett's advice. Well, one of us does most of the time. Yeah, for sure. So I have some takeaways, but I want to know, I wrote an article about my top 10 takeaways from the events with a fantasy perspective in mind, not wholly fantasy, but like I didn't cover any of the defensive players. Yeah. What popped for you? Uh, Can I be 
honest with you, I didn't watch a single second really? of it on TV. I mean, obviously, I've looked at the results mm-hmm. and uh, some of the guys that you mentioned, like Denzel Mims stuck out because like he was a guy that I have also watched a little bit of and I really enjoyed. Um, so it's great. Like there are these guys, you know, Chris Godwin comes to mind of these guys that like they've got the they've got the film and then they go out and they they do some great stuff at the combine. It's like I don't care as much about what they do at the combine, but it's nice to see like checking multiple boxes throughout the mm-hmm. process. And Mims is a guy who also had a really good senior bowl at uh, your favorite, your favorite game. So that that stood out to me. But, yeah, to be honest with you, like you talk about the, the, the moving it into prime time. Apparently, the ratings went up like 3%, which was not what they were hoping for. Uh, I know It was no, enough of a bump. Charles Robinson did a story on that. It's going to stay there. It's enough. And I kind of don't. I just, this is one guy's opinion. Like, I don't really sit down and watch the combine anyways because it's kind of a snooze fest. But, like, I definitely had no interest in watching it in prime time because it's prime time. If you're watching TV, which I don't re- watch yeah, TV, no, yeah. but, like, number one, you're going to want to watch more interesting things than the combine, I think. And number two... It just Well, but all the interesting things you can stream. So I think your point about if you're watching something in prime time, like... There's probably something else you want to watch. I don't know. But you can watch that whenever. I mean, I guess you can DVR it and watch... If you could really... You could replay the combine, too, which if you really want to have... Right. You know, it's you sick. want to record it, then. <laughs> sick. Um, I do appreciate the combine, not just from what these different... I think your point about checking boxes is 100% correct, but also... I like to see the effect that the broadcasters, in particular Daniel Jeremiah, have on the narrative of these players. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like this. Because, you know, if there's somebody with a very large, reputable voice in the space who says something, then I love to, in real time, watch on social media as people either completely destroy that take, Uh cancel culture, or (laughs) jump on board like, you know, I said the exact same thing. Yeah, right? It's like Daniel Jeremiah said, like, and this validates my opinion. And we've probably all done that, whether yeah, yeah. it's with DJ or with other people. It's like it's just sometimes it's nice to know that someone else, especially somebody that you respect, has seen what you, sees what you see. But also it is it's also part of the narrative setting to like the wider public too, not even just like right. analyst to analyst. But you've definitely I, I definitely have been with, you know, people that I'm friends with or whatever, and they'll talk about a player and I'd be like I've read that before. I've heard that before. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. stuff that you you get. You've from, lifted that. Yeah, yeah, right. You, in, you've yeah. Got, which I don't blame you. <laughs> like I don't. I, if I if this wasn't my job, I don't know that I'd be out there grinding film on right. uh, Denzel Mims. But you know, it just again, it's part of that setting that narrative. I also like now that there were a couple of new drills. The Deuce Daily drill immediately comes to mind. I did like hearing why they existed and what you were trying to see. Because sometimes mm-hmm. you're like, I don't, what am I looking for here? I don't yeah, know. Right, you just created right. this little obstacle course and yeah. am I looking for footwork? Mm-hmm. So I did appreciate hearing some of that and that, you know, just check different boxes. I thought the Deuce Daily drill was one of the more interesting new drills. Um, and some of the quarterback drills with the smoke routes were also pretty interesting. But let's talk about, uh, did you have, you? I was going to say that I think there are certain things that, like we talked about, the, we talked about the gauntlet thing last last week too with Michael Thomas and how he right. like right. We talked about that, but I definitely think there's some like it was really cool to see uh, CD Lamb and Jerry Judy both go through like the because I mean the, I, uh, I didn't I didn't watch it live, but like saw clips on social media like going through the the end, the end zone end drills zone like, drill, yeah. along the sideline. Those things are cool because I think there's some obviously it's very different conditions. But there's some in-game application there. And then the last thing is just 
it's always my favorite to see, you know, when people decide to do the trust the tape versus versus like not trust the tape. And it usually is just confirming your priors because there's uh, you will see people do this. It's it's like, OK, well, he had this bad combine performance, but you just got to watch the games. And that's all that, you know, that's all that really matters. Or it's like this guy went out there and had a great combine performance, which really backs up what I've seen on film. And it's it's watching people like kind of cross that line or hit that balance. That's always fun for me. Yeah, I think it's a good point. And I do think that sometimes when a player doesn't perform to the ceiling we're expecting, it's not just, oh, they don't have it in them physically. There's also a theory that they can't do it when the lights are the brightest. Yeah. And that maybe gives some franchises cold feet. It's also a, it's a training event, too. Like this is a reflection of mm. have you been have you been, you know, training like it's have you been in the, at the gym? Have you, you know, specifically what you're being tested on, too. It's like I guess you could really say that you can play like some, a like, work ethic. Yeah, like a work ethic test. Like Call same, Hal Harmon. He's got thoughts about work ethic. No, God, I have no I have no nugs from my dad this week. We've we were talking about the virus before this. That's that's it's disrupted our plans in April to see Bond together. So uh, yeah, that's my only Bond? Take. James Bond. Oh, Bond. 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 I thought it was some James weird Bond. indie group that you were into. Yeah, <laughs> like, my dad Bond. and I are, are big, we're big fans of the the indie group. <laughs> yeah, we're out there. Uh, no, but anyways, so no nugs from Hal this week. But I, I would say like it's a work ethic thing. You know, it's the same thing where people say like well, if you flop the drug test at the uh, at the combine, you either have you know you you know you're going to get tested. Right. You either have a real problem with doing drugs or you you're kind of an you're kind of an idiot. An you know. Issue. Yeah, or something like that. So. There's something to say about the combine in that regard, but uh, so it's nice when, yeah, it would have been really concerning if Henry Ruggs, for whatever reason, went out there and ran like a 4-4 or something. That would have been like, what the hell's going on here? The fact that he was 4-2 in the 4-2 range was pretty pretty dope. Sub 4-3. You mentioned Denzel Mims. The reason, uh, in case you listeners haven't been watching the combine in prime time or loading up on all of the football Twitter takes uh, is because this dude is six foot three and 207 pounds and managed a 40 yard dash time of 4.38 seconds. That was top three among wide receivers. Again, think about his size, a vertical jump of 38.5 inches. That was top 10 and a broad jump of 131 inches. That was top four among wide receivers. So he, you know, some players have size some players have speed and he does both things yeah exactly like that was that was really cool to see because again this is just this also speaks to i think preparation and that was something that i made that chris godwin comparison earlier that was what i thought with him was like i know that this guy is very dedicated to his craft because he's crushing like each step of the offseason process whether it was he has this awesome performance in the rolls bowl he obviously he didn't go to the senior bowl but then you know comes out and crushes the combine it's not just a pure athletic standpoint it's also just like this guy's in the gym doing the work and prepping for each and everything along the way to eventually crush it when he gets his opportunity in the nfl which we obviously know he has and i think mims is, is showing that same thing um i think there's some questions to ask about his tape just about his overall like how you know it's not he's not running the art briles baylor route tree which was just not even really routes at all but there's some limitations there i don't think that's like the biggest concern in the world because we've seen guys with limited route trees dk metcalf for example come in and play big roles in their first year so it's not so i think that having all of these other factors 
you know, in terms of athleticism, actually helps him kind of answer those questions already. From a fantasy perspective, too, he seems to project similarly to DK. I like that you use that comparison, not comp, but comparison, in that he'll be used as like an, a red zone or end zone weapon, right? Like this guy has a crazy catch radius. He's got size. He's got speed. So I can see a lot of simplified routes that make him a big body target in the red area of the field. And then for fantasy purposes, you're like, all right, this guy can catch some touchdowns, right? Yeah. Like he's not maybe your PPR play, but if you're still playing in old school standard leagues... He has some appeal weird throwing darts at like the end of, you know, I don't know if you draft this guy, probably you won't. We'll see Who what knows? happens based yeah. on landing spot. But like, you know, that's what you would expect out of a guy like this. Uh, Justin Jefferson, I think, is very different than that, like yep. maybe antithetical to him in that this guy does have polished, very natural hands, great route runner. Debate about coming into the combine was his long speed, but he ended up being the ninth fastest wide receiver and put up a 40 time of 4.43 seconds. Um, I find him interesting because to me, you're going to have a situation like this is very landing spot dependent. I think New Orleans would be really interesting. He does have the ability to play inside and outside. And he is like a big slot type player at the next level. Michael Thomas is also obviously that guy in, in New Orleans. But I don't think that Justin Jefferson I mean, having Joe Burrow throw to you is another thing. But, like, I, I, I don't think that, like, I think you might have a um, – remind me of – why am I well, – you can tell it's the offseason. Um, the Steelers, number two, who Juju. is now – Juju Smith-Schuster. Like, you're going to have one of those issues if there isn't some help on the outside. Uh, I like this player a lot. I also, it's funny that you bring up, like, Daniel Jeremiah and, like, setting the narrative because – I think Justin Jefferson actually went on Rap Sheets Pod and like said he even watched a clip. The rap. Oh, of course. Sorry for the friends. Uh, you already you already screwed out of the. It's like Dave Matthews and his band. You guys are just <laughs> left out of there. But anyways, uh, I think he went on uh, Rap Sheet and Friends Pod and like said that he even watched back the clip and w- and made note of like how Daniel Jeremiah was like, whoa, whoa, that was a lot faster than I expected because he I think he exceeded expectations. I think Je- Daniel that. Jeremiah said this was the most important time of Exa- the yep, day. Yep. Yep. And I think I think we did an, a, a rookies to idea landing spot article like 100 years ago at this point. Uh, and I paired Justin Jefferson to the Eagles because I think they need like immediate help there. Well, this was what? Jaws, in theory, could have been, or Nelson Aguilar, I guess, could have been. Yeah, kind of. But I think he brings more, like, versatility than both of those guys. Kind of, like, those guys kind of meshed into a hybrid of each other, but, like, actually good. Uh, But, I mean, like, because I like like this, because I'm also thinking, you know, Alshon Jeffrey isn't likely to stay in Philadelphia. They're doing a full-on, like, reboot of that receiver core. I don't know if Justin Jefferson, particularly in his rookie year, though, will be able to thrive. My worry is that he is Tyler Boyd, like he is Juju Smith-Schuster, like where he he's not a number one. Yeah. No, I th- and I think that's why they, it, it can't be their only move. That's why mm-hmm. I'm saying like in a full-on reboot sort of situation, they'll they'll have Jackson on the roster still, but I think they'll prob- they're probably at a point where they can't really count on him, you know, for 16 games, obviously. No. <laughs> I go, let's hope not because they made that mistake last year and we saw how that sank them. And I actually, I, we're going to talk about my uh, free agency article later. I did give them a wide receiver in free agency. I gave him Brashad Perryman. 
I think that's like interesting in some. Okay, Liz is already like is already gone tilted here, but I think he's interesting because he brings that speed element and some size. <laughs> you can tell it's flipping March but when like, we're like but, Rashad Perryman to the Eagles and Justin Jefferson. Kind of nice, kind of exciting. Like I mean, look at here's the reality of the situation when uh, Perryman's got opportunity the last two years. He's played well. He sure has played well. You're okay with that limited sample size. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, again, this is not like, it's not like, ah, we got Prashad Perryman, problem solved. We got Justin Jefferson, problem solved. But they're making headway in revamping this wide receiver core. All right. I was just like kind of proud of myself for thinking of that as it was like one of my last, like I had 20 guys to to fill spots for. Ah, And I was like, he was 20. And I was like, oh, that's a good one. Nice, (laughs) nice. Good work at like 10 p.m. last night. Can we switch to running backs really quickly, or do you want do you want to go through your free free agent article? No, no, no. You can. We'll get to that later. Let's oh, do Taylor. Okay. Um, Jonathan Taylor, Wisconsin. He is who we thought he would be in that he is very good. Like I think he just very much confirmed everything. It was the the reason he is getting a lot of buzz? Uh, he's a former track star. We mentioned him as someone who might threaten jo- John Ross's forty time um, and be one of the fastest humans at the combine. He did not. He did not run a sub 4-3, but he was the fastest running back of the group. And when you adjust his weight and speed score, it puts him in the 98th percentile among active running backs. So rookies and established vets as well. Um, Is he the favorite to be the first overall pick in dynasty rookie drafts, would you say? Because he's probably going to be the first running back off the board, right? I don't know. I don't think don't that think, that's true. Yeah, really? I think mm. there's a lot of love for Dobbins and Swift still. I don't think that it's a foregone conclusion that Taylor Taylor's kind of leapfrogging, but also a lot of dynasty leans on PPR. And the question about Taylor is his limited pass catching experience and, and he's ability. Adrian Peterson. <laughs> yes, in 2020, the new Adrian Peterson does what everybody <laughs> wanted, right? Um, I'm going to still lean towards Dobbins because I just look at how productive yeah. he was and how durable he was, which means inevitably he'll get hurt right away. The only thing is, like, if he, yeah, right, <laughs> <laughs> if he if he does. Um, if this like workout and like all that propels him to the bottom of the first round and he goes to like uh, I'd still say one of these teams like I don't think he's gone the first round but maybe I, yeah 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 maybe not but like you know then he ends up on a really good team I mean this is all this is the thing about I saw uh, sometimes it's fun to like just see other people debating on Twitter like I don't care enough to get involved but like I think I saw a couple people going back and forth about like is it actually smart to have your rookie draft before or after the draft because then it's like before draft it's just purely based on like talent talent or like historical production models that type of stuff then after the draft we get like all carried away about landing spot and our good friend chris harris would would tell you like the situations change so quickly you know so we could be like this wide receiver stacked depth chart, not the thing. And then it's like three years later, the, you know, he's the top. He's getting 100 and something targets. I don't know. It's, I a, mean, it's an interesting debate to have. Yeah. I mean, I mean mildly the, interesting. All of the uh, February. Interesting. No, it's, it's March. March. Oh, all of the Damian Harris owners would love your theory there. <laughs> right. So, you know? right? Yeah. <laughs> like, we'll see what happens. Oh, my God. Damian Harris. That's like I, th- I tweeted this the other day, too, about uh, I looked on my little Instagram filter about. Like two two years ago today, what was I up to? And it's like, oh, I was uh, breaking down clips of uh, Equinemius St. Brown on my Instagram. Oh, it was a real, it was like a real fresh reminder. Like, oh, th- none of this really matters. I did love him. <laughs> Pour one out. I was breaking it down positively. <laughs> 
Um, this is the year. The coaches just aren't using him right, and he's hurt. That's that's it's always the excuse. What, well, also he had conditioning issues, and he's like got kind of an ego about it. Uh, he I'm comes just, from like I'm a just, weird family whose dad is. A I'm just extra. being. I'm just being facetious. That's the. That's like the default with you that's, no that's the default to like if when things don't go when things don't go right thanks liz when things when things don't go right for your your draft crush you're just like ah coaches aren't using him right and he's hurt those are the excuses matt you love derrick henry confirmed one of my favorite players in the nfl no lies detected <laughs> <All right. laughs> so i'm gonna imagine then that you also love a player that I know you have just cracked the peppercorn crack on. The pepper grind the day. Jesus Christ. AJ Dillon. Oh, well, obviously. Boston College's own. Can I can I wait, but why are why you Why am I still doing this? Why are you doing that? And also why are you um comparing I mean, are you saying that AJ Dillon is the next Derrick Henry? How dare you, Matt? <laughs> I would never make such a lazy comparison as to assume one player is a facsimile of another player. I mean, that's what's wrong with the media these days. It's all full of hyperbole. Give me a... No. Yeah, it's exactly what I'm doing. AJ Dillon is crazy. He's 247 pounds, and he had a vert of 41 inches and a high jump of 131 inches for reference. (sighs) AJ Dillon is seven pounds heavier than Leonard Fournette, and Leonard Fournette uh, his best vert score, and he beat Leonard Fournette's vert score by like more than by like a foot. Damn! Right? I mean, sign me up. Let me tell you what you you have a you have a headline the next Derrick Henry. I'm clicking on that. Oh yeah, I'm clicking on that. Added man. to my oh, SEO. Yeah, he also yeah, yeah. had a uh, top ten numbers in the forty yard dash, bench press, and three cone drill. So I don't know if people are gonna like it. I I'm, I don't want to break any news right now, guys. But like Derrick Henry is kind of a buzzy name. True. He did do some stuff mm-hmm. in the postseason. Also a free agent. Yeah. So people are kind of into him. And he's been an anomaly because of his size and his skill set and ability. A.J. Dillon could be. What if the Tennessee Titans let Derrick Henry go and then draft A.J. Dillon? <sighs> I mean, I don't know. That would be I, that would be sad for the Tennessee Titans. I, I, I don't know if this AJ Dillon guy is going to be Derrick Henry, but then again, you know, running backs apparently they don't matter. So, Matt, that's what the headline said. What the running backs don't matter? No, no. Oh, oh. <laughs> that AJ Dillon would be the next Derrick Henry. Oh well, click Derrick Henry two point Other combine takeaways: uh, Joe Burrow is a stud, even if he didn't work out. Like I thought, he handled himself on social media and in interviews incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Also, that kid is definitely going number one. Here's like a little a little fun fact that I don't think people like talked about. And I was kind of proud of myself for making these analogies. Right. Um, Daniel Jeremiah, again, said that Joe Burrow reminded him of Tom Brady. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say this. If I went back on my notes, which are time dated, I wrote Tom Brady question mark parentheses. I'm too afraid. Because he reminded me of Tom Brady as well. But I was like, I could never, like, if I go out in the world with that comp, like, are you, the bros will destroy me. I will be eaten alive. I can't ever say it. Well, Daniel you couldn't Jeremiah. Even do the, you couldn't even do the AJ Dillon, Derek no! Henry thing. <laughs> no, I was just sort of like all the reply guys. Oh, my gosh. RIP my timeline, right? I don't know if my you know mentions. this, though, Liz. Tom Brady's kind of buzzy right now. <laughs> <laughs> is he? Is he like, it's what is to... that? Is he a goat? Is that some, is there a goat emoji often associated with? On text with his name? Julian Edelman, he's even got a little button. 
Well, Julian, I'm in, I might be in the doghouse because Tom Brady threw him some side eye. Yeah. It's like, come that, on, man. Yeah. But Daniel Jan- Jeremiah did comp Joe Burrow to Tom Brady. And I don't. And when we're talking about when we're talking about Joe Burrow, obviously going to the Bengals, um, Zach Taylor, the head coach, the last time Zach Taylor coached outside of Ohio. It was Jared Goff in the Rams in 2018 to a Super Bowl run where he played against Tom Brady and lost. But also, Jared Goff has nine-inch hands. This is How true. How about that? He, he was a little hands guy, too. I incepted all of you. Yeah. <laughs> no. Wrong term. I don't care. Uh, so, Joe Burrow's a stud. His hands don't matter. And I think he's going to the right place. Like, I am very interested now to see what Zach Taylor can do with a quarterback that is that good and that he cares about. Yeah, and that comes similarly think, to Goff. I think the cares about thing is pretty crucial, too. He's uh, similar to Goff, though, because Goff did yeah. get some, like, bad Tom Brady comps when he was coming out. Yeah, they're, neither one of them is, like, all that mobile. Neither one of them has the strongest arm. I think Goff has, like, I don't maybe an underrated-ish arm. Like, I feel like people are out there talking like he's just got this noodle. But, like, he can make some... Right. great throws it just has to be under perfect circumstances well, and accuracy was the thing about jared goff right yeah. that was why he was the number one overall pick accuracy is what is so good about joe burrow and joe burrow i think is more athletic and has more sneaky athleticism more mobility oh, sneaky, than sure. either jared goff or, or tom brady i mean i think he's He's like a younger version a new this generation version of what that was yeah he's not a a, a pocket statue no. And I like that we're talking about quarterback mobility because it like Tua passed his medicals. And so he's probably going to go second. Right. Like no one would be surprised. Second if, to Washington or sec- no, no, no. Second as the second oh, quarterback. Oh, oh, the second oh, quarterback. I was going to ask you if you buy into all that or not. No, I did we talk about that? Yeah, yeah, we did. We both agreed that um, probably Ron Rivera is trying to trade back. Right, right, right. It's hard to say anymore. (laughs) (laughs) A week is a long time now. Well, I mean, God, they pushed back the damn start of the league year and just we've been living the same three weeks for like, I mean, the same week for three weeks. Really butchered my point there, but whatever. After Joe Burrow and Tua, to me, this like quarterback, the, uh, the next three guys are kind of in a tie for third. I don't I'm like not feeling Justin Herbert. Everyone's assuming, right? Not everyone. But there there are many people mocking people him to the Chargers. Um, Jordan Love is like really athletic. We talked about him and how Jim Nagy compared him to Patrick Mahomes. Um, Jalen Hurts did really, really well. And mm-hmm. he had an incredible combine. But I think what's interesting is that, you know, you hear about the Patrick Mahomes effect. I think that's I think that's frankly lazy. I think that's a blanket statement. The Patrick Mahomes effect is the emphasis on mobility among these quarterbacks because the truth is that the co- like the college level is pre- producing so many awesome defensive players who can get at the quarterback at a faster rate, so much more elite defensive talent at a faster rate than they are producing capable O-linemen. Yep. And so I think about Kyler Murray and I think about, you know, how Andy Barron's quietly quipped almost a year ago now, well, Kyler Murray doesn't need a good offensive line because he's so mobile. Mm-hmm. But there, I mean, he's he's making a joke out of that. But I do think that, you know, coaches are saying, like, listen, we're not going to get a bunch of hog mollies, a bunch of road grinders to protect our quarterback. So these guys are going to have to move and process at a really fast rate. Yep. And I think all three of these guys to different degrees have 
a lot of mobility. I really, I don't think Hertz is uh, the third gonna, guy going to be no. drafted out of this group, but I think he's the one that I like. I've gravitated to a lot yeah. because he's like kind of an underdog in a way, you know, transfer. I mean, he's been at two massive programs since he's been in college, but like, you know, kind of cast aside by Alabama, not unfairly because two is a great prospect, but then he goes to Oklahoma, has a great season there all throughout. It's like, is he going to change positions? Is he going to change positions? Is he going to change positions? It's like, no, this guy's a quarterback. And like, I'm really We're excited. a little Lamar Jackson crossover in that part of the narrative. Yeah, right, right, right. But it's like, no, you don't make the guy change positions. Like, I think he can be, you just, if you have to play, if you ever have to play him, I don't think he's going to be drafted as somebody's like franchise quarterback, but I'm intrigued to see if he ever ends up starting for a team. You know, what coaching staff is that with? Are they clever enough to craft a system? Like, I wonder if he's a guy that, you know, there's this bevy of old ass quarterbacks available this offseason and then like a litany of meh kind of guys that could be available too is hurts a guy that somebody looks at and says there's a lot to like here from a physical standpoint can we draft and develop him because i think he's he's a guy that has gotten better throughout his college career you draft and develop him behind one of these old guys well after the decision making about the offensive line in carolina oh do you think that Along the same logic, Jalen Hurts in a new regime would be a good fit there. I mean, I know, I know that you are forever true to Will Greer, but <laughs> Will Greer, Jesus. Um, no, I, well, I think I, the thing with Carolina is like this: this trade that just happened, the Trey mm-hmm. Turner for Russell Okung trade. Like, I can talk out of both sides of my mouth here in terms of like where what I think this means. Like, does this trade signal that they're tanking for 2020 and they're looking for the future? Maybe not. I don't know, because they also just got somebody to fill, theoretically, one of their most pressing needs, which was left tackle, and he's an older guy on a one-year deal. Like, and are are they bringing back Cam Newton? Because then I guess it's nice to have a left tackle for him. Like, Carolina's just a tough team to figure out. I think if they have Cam this year, then I think they're looking at their like next year to draft a quarterback because they're not like but then I I don't know if that I really buy that either because if you trade if you're trading a guy like Trey Turner you trade him for picks you don't trade him for a guy to start this year which is strange yeah. I don't know it's that's a tough I was waiting for you to get to that part yeah but this is what I'm saying like th- this is what the trade does to you is you kind of have to you look at it from an offensive line offensive line trade like boring for most people but i think if you unpack it there's sure. a lot you can think about there uh and we definitely do not need to turn this into a panthers podcast of the three love herber and hurts you are saying that hurts would in your estimation be the third quarterback after burrow and Tua? no i don't think he will be drafted that no, way you not how he's uh, going to be drafted. I, I how think, would you rank him i don't know know enough about these quarterbacks okay. to to really say but i i just he's the one that intrigues me the most this is why i brought him up especially like because of the mobility for fantasy, yada, you know. Then. I like Love a lot. Yeah? More and more. I mean, he didn't have the combine that I wanted him to have. Hertz, I think, was the star, the underdog star of the remaining after the yeah. top two. Um, also, Herbert got bagged on, right? Like, uh, I, I I don't remember if the commentator— the Up and down performance from what I was seeing. I, I don't yeah. know if it was Kurt Warner if or if it was Daniel Jeremiah. Again, I don't remember, but— um. I remember in the in the passing drills, they were saying, like, can he just let it loose? He just isn't letting it loose. And I was like, wow, like they're bagging on him in prime time. And mm-hmm. he's for so long been the guy that everyone assumed would go third. Yeah. And he did have an excellent combine, uh, an excellent senior bowl. So and a great 
week of practice at the Senior Bowl, and he seemed to be the leader that everyone thought he would be. But again, he doesn't. It, it was made a point to showcase his mobility and athleticism during the Senior Bowl because he didn't get to do a lot of it at Oregon. And so that is definitely now becoming a larger necessity. It's not even like an, an additional tool in their tool belt. It's just mm-hmm. like another. It's a necessity to part of their skill set. This is probably going to sound like a cop out thing to say, but the more I think about like quarterback analysis, you know, it just seems so much to me like ecosystem matters so much. Like we think about quarterbacks like elevating the entire franchise. And of course, like that is true. Like if you have a quarterback, it just changes the fate of your entire operation. But it's still, you know, it's not quite running back, but it's like it's one of those positions that I think situation matters so much because the ecosystem matters so much. You know, it's like if Hertz or Herbert, like if Herbert's a great example, like because I think there's enough tools to work with there. I think the personality seem, like you said, people seem to gravitate towards him, good leader, yada yada yada. If he lands in the right spot, which I don't know offhand, like what I think the right spot, like in the top ten is or whatever. But if he lands in a good spot with a good coach, good ecosystem, like he could probably be good. But then if he lands like in just a disaster, it just well, I don't know. Working behind Tyrod Taylor in that offensive line and in. in- Los Angeles does not feel like. Oh, no. Well, again, to reference the free agent article that I I wrote, like that, I I gave him Jack Conklin because it's like, you can't tell me that they want to sell like, hey. Let's do it. Let's go to your free agent card. Well, I just mean like, you can't tell me that they want to say like, hey, free agent quarterback or hey, Justin Herbert, like come be excited to play for the Los Angeles Chargers because we're running out the one of the worst tackle situations in the entire league. Like, great, you have a guard who's coming off a bad season that you just traded for, Mm -hmm. but their tackle situation is terrible. So, yeah, I agree with you. I don't know that Herbert, like, there would be a great fit. I mean, I think Tyrod Taylor does the same thing that he would do, that he did with Baker Mayfield, which was starts for two games, is pretty whatever, and then gets then the rookies in there. But I don't think that is a very good situation at all. To no. walk into. So that that's like, that's what I mean is that uh, like, it's almost same thing with Patrick Mahomes. Like Patrick Mahomes doesn't come become this version of Patrick Mahomes without landing in Kansas City. Like, I think he would have been good no matter where he went. Like if he had been the fourth overall pick by the Jaguars and Leonard Fournette was never their guy. Like he's probably a, a good quarterback and Jacksonville's future looks quite different than it does right now. But uh, at the same time, I don't think he would have been this version of Mahomes if he didn't land there. So it's like talking about quarterbacks pre-draft is just so it's just so hard Like because evaluating on quarterbacks is just so difficult that and it's hard to parse situation versus just the individual player's ability. I do think it's fascinating, though, to break down their different the things that they are good at, their yeah. pros, their cons yeah. and see what's valuable to which franchises. And that's why I think when we're talking about the modern era like this this iteration of the nfl guys like love you're right to bring up and and hurts i think will be really interesting like i think they're more likely to be just from just from a pure stylistic theoretical standpoint those guys are more likely to swim in some degree wherever they get thrown into than a guy like herbert who i think could you know has that wide range of outcomes based on where he ends up I also think because he looks like the old school prototypical quarterback, there's going to be an automatic like ex- expectation baked in. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about your free agency article. Where what um, team do you want to start with? Let's just do quarterbacks because okay. that's what Brett has on the outline. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, there's like 
twenty. There's twenty. The, we're not. We're not going to talk that. about all twenty. You can go read the damn article. Um, we'll link to it in the yes. description of the podcast. Uh, but I just did quarterbacks. Like some of these we've talked about. Are like I had Brady going to Vegas, and and when I know we did like a a landing spot podcast for free agency the the valentine's day one mm-hmm. um i did go a little bit different like the the three i think that are the same brady to vegas um just because i think look i think gruden's a quarterback collector i think if he gets free from new england which it seems like that's pretty likely right now uh, i think that's where he ends up also i don't think he has that many suitors but the interesting thing about the brady the brady stuff right now is all the talk that the Titans seem to be consistently involved, that's interesting to me because they got such a good run out of Tannehill that I think if if the new CBA is passed between now and the start of the league year and you only have one franchise tag, I think they use that tag on Derrick Henry and not Ryan Tannehill and take their shot at like renegotiating a new deal. You know what I mean? I think these two situations are like kind of connected. So you're saying if they can get Tom Brady... And there's obviously a connection, right? Um, he and Mike Vrabel apparently FaceTime. Okay. Brady and Brady and Vrabel. Also, I don't know if you heard, but apparently uh, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick had a talk about oh, yeah. his future and it, quote, did not go well. Which also then I heard it was business as usual, which I'm like, that's not great. Well, I mean, also, when do you have a talk with Bill Belichick that isn't business as usual? Right. I, don't, I just don't imagine, imagine him being like a chatty Kathy and being like, so you guys going on a cruise for the kids spring break? Like, what are you what are you up to? Saw you at that uh, Syracuse basketball game. Uh, how was the how was the concessions? <laughs> um, popcorn? Get, give me a, a one out of 10. How was it? Very stale. OK, so you think the Raiders, because Gruden uh, is who he is and because you don't believe the lack of options, unless... I did. The yeah, there, there's I just don't think there are that many options, like I said. Yeah. And I, I just think that that also then that becomes really interesting for a guy like, look, Brady's made chicken salad out of much your chicken than, uh, chicken salad? you know, you make chicken salad out of chicken. You ever heard he that was expression? trying to not say the, the bad word, but he just said it in a different. Yeah, no, I, I, I was trying to say, like, he's made chicken salad chicken out of your chicken yeah i don't know that's probably not the right way to say it but the point is he's made it work (laughs) (laughs) the point is tom brady has made it work with a lot worse situations i think than hunter renfro uh darren waller tyrell williams i mean you some decent offensive lines there mentioning the different the different weapons that he might have like he's got his julian edelman and renfro yep um, and he's got, got his Aaron Hernandez and Darren, and Darren Waller. Waller. Don't, but the, on the field yep. only. Um, yep. And then he has his. He, he I, I think we're the Raiders are going to Dante Stallworth and Tyrell Williams it's, pulling from the deep <laughs> catalog of Patriots. Probably they're going to add a receiver. Yeah. Um, I would think so, especially if you're. Well, that's part of the like what they're that the Patriots are apparently trying to do is add offensive players in order to make a pitch to Brady. Like, I think everybody has to do that. Like, especially if you're the Raiders and you're like, hey, you need to like come on, come all the way out here. Like, we've got no Patriots connections. Like, we don't know a damn thing about the Patriot way or whatever. But also think about how much Mike Mayock like talked like talked about culture and character and all that stuff with his draft picks last year. Brady is like the ultimate. This is the culture setting move and he's moving to Vegas. Obviously, been in he's interfaced with Brady for many, many years. Yeah, so I don't know that I just right now that's the thing that I think is the most 
Likely. likely outcome. I but, do. I do like the Tennessee pick, though. I really, you know, I have. I kind of hate it. Why? Because I just want to see them run it back with Tannehill. Like that. Nah, that I don't worked, care about him. But I don't care. I mean, I don't care about Tannehill either. But I also think like Tannehill is kind of the perfect. He's also one of these guys, like you know, love or hurts or whatever. Like he's an athletic guy with a pretty good arm. Like he's what you want in a modern day quarterback. And I think like he already kind of made things work with guys that are in their young core, like Johnu Smith, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry. Like, I don't know that you want to shake that up for the 43-year-old edition of Tom Brady. Like, maybe if this was five years ago, I see it. But was 2019 Tom Brady better than 2019 Ryan Tannehill? I don't know. Well, you it's an unfair question because Tannehill did something for a much more limited time. And also, these first, what, two weeks of the of the postseason, he didn't pass for over 100 yards. So, like, do I believe Tom Brady to be a better passer than Ryan Tannehill? Ryan Tannehill also wasn't asked to do a lot. Like, yeah, that pretty easy offense living. was run on Derrick Henry. And play action, yeah. Which, I, so, uh, but, but that's part of it, but though. Like, if you have Tom Brady and then you have Derrick Henry, like, the balance plus, Nashville deserves some good right now. That's true. <laughs> so, I would like to see Tom Brady there. I... I and then why can't Ryan Tannehill go to Vegas? Ryan Tannehill go to New England. I don't like that as much. Okay. He's like, I don't know. He just seems a little bit like dirty. Kind of want to see him go to Vegas. Dirty? I don't know. No, like, like dirty and like a... A, a fun dirty. Yeah. Yeah, like not squeaky clean. Oh, yeah. I think New England's perfect then in that case. Uh, Rivers, I sent to Indy. Who cares? We already, already talked about that. Now, to fill the quarterback hole in New England, I sent Teddy Bridgewater there. How do you feel about that? I think that makes much more sense than Ryan Tannehill. Me too. Like, he seems, I mean, like a discount Tom like Brady. A right? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. Bridge, but the, the only thing I feel bad about Bridgewater, though, is like, man, there's just not a lot to work with in New England. Like, there's just a, a, a gross amount of, of talent there. Like, they're mm-hmm. probably going to lose their best offensive, offensive lineman from last year. They have nothing at the skill position. Set. Although in this article, I did give them Hunter Henry, who also I'm not convinced doesn't get franchise tagged by the Chargers either. So, But in this hypothetical scenario, that's a nice little way to start building something for New England. Because I think if they lose Brady, there's a chance they just really reset this whole roster. Like Devin McCourty's gone. Kyle Vanoy's gone. You know, Joe Tooney, I, I like I just mentioned, he's out the door. Like, I think this is a real reset moment for Belichick. But I, and, and I think Bridgewater's good enough to be a part of that reset, but also still like convince the team enough, like, hey, we're not we're not throwing in the towel, you know. I hear that. I'm also wondering if some of the receiving pieces that came in so young, Jacoby Myers, uh, um, Nikhil Harry, Nikhil Harry, um, if they will elevate some, you have to imagine they would, right? These were like um, Jacoby Myers, not so much, right? It was Calvin Harmon, his teammate, that heading into last year's draft was the more touted prospect. But Mm -hmm. you have to imagine that there will be some growth there. And so maybe the cupboard isn't as bare as we might believe it to be. Yep. I also considered sending Bridgewater to two other, because I kind of think he's... The Bears? I considered sending him to the Bears and to the Bucks. There's like, he's not at all a fit with what you think about a Bruce Arians quarterback. No risk it, no big skit. Because he's not a big armed guy. I mean, he's. I yeah, think but he's, maybe, maybe Arians is just like, no, we okay, did that. Yeah, no we more. Did that, like, yeah. Let's just chill like, out. That's that's the thing. Is I just I think the Bears might not be able to afford him because I think Bridgewater is going to have a couple suitors like to be a starter, like New England. I mean, I think he would start in Tampa Bay. I think he would probably start in Chicago. Like I think he would start in a number of different places. 
Um, so I think he's going to have a more robust market than the next guy that we'll talk about. Um, so th- I think there's a lot of, I think if for that reason, I think Chicago won't be, be able to afford him, but I liked him there. But I also think like the Tampa Bay thing could be really interesting because they've got a great offensive setup. Also sent them Melvin Gordon in this article. That oh, makes a lot of sense okay. to me. Um, and gave them Anthony Harris, the safety from the Vikings. Cause the bucks always have money to throw around and like, they're not going to be paying a quarterback a ton of cash. So I think they've, but ultimately, well, if, they, if they had a manager under center, right? Yeah, they. You're right that they have enough other weapons to get things done, especially if they add it to the backfield. So the Melvin Gordon fit is perfect, and you're right. Maybe, maybe <laughs> Bruce Arians is looking at the end of the road and knowing that it isn't as long as it was, and so then he's already made his mark, right? He's he's coached up these other quarterbacks. He had the Carson Palmer redemption year, so maybe you do just take. There's another redemption story within Teddy, and maybe you can mm-hmm. do that within a skill set, and that's enough. And you don't need, because frankly, it was the too much risking for not enough biscuit that mm-hmm. came back to bite him. Exactly. So I think there's something I ultimately just ended up not being able to see the vertical passing element Kinda part like of it. That. But okay. I like that a lot. Like that, I think, is would be an optimal, optimal fit. But I, I ended up uh, not going that oh, way. I had so many targets to Chris Godwin. Oh, yeah. Wow. Mike Evans can be like, what the hell? I know I'm covered, but come on, take yeah. a risk. <laughs> so much Chris Godwin love. I love that. Uh, yeah. Woo. Like there's there's a lot. I mean, there's just a lot to work with in Tampa Bay. And like they I know we get I feel like people get excited about the Bucks every single year. But like bring bring back Shaq Barrett. You've got pieces developing on the defense. You add a guy like an Anthony Harris or a Byron Jones, one of these guys in the free agent market in the secondary. Like then you're uh, you're cooking. You're cooking down there. But ultimately, Obviously, this means Jameis is out in Tampa. I'm sorry to say that I did send him to the Bears. Yeah, I, I see the doc. And <laughs> I, uh, I'm I'm thinking that if I could get Scotty Miller, the slot guy in Tampa, some real targets, get him back on the fantasy, fantasy uh, radar with Teddy Bridgewater, I like that so much that I will forgive you the Jameis Winston to the Bears. Well, here's the thing about Jameis, right? Like, into the bears is you're not you're not like the bears are starting to settle in the bears are not solving their quarterback problem this offseason period but i think when you're looking i think the Jameis is really gonna not have a lot of suitors out there like who the hell wants to bring in Jameis winston like the bucks don't want him back probably uh i think that he's probably settling for a backup job like where where is he going? You know, I think he is much closer to Marcus Mariota than he is to to Teddy Bridgewater in terms of like appeal I'm still on the market. Not, we we differ on this. I'm still not sold that he's not going to end up in Tampa Bay. I I'm, think he will I'm, probably still end up in Tampa Bay. Prob probably. And I think your initial take about Andy Dalton. I mean, for as much as I have like caught crowed about it and rolled my eyes about it, I think that like Andy Dalton to the Bears makes the most sense. And I kind of wanted to just give like a different option within sure. the same vein because. Like, for all of Jameis's problems, at least he's very different from Trubisky. Like, Trubisky's kind of, he's kind of, like, this close to doing the the full Marcus Mariota. Like, he's that type of quarterback right now. But Winston is aggressive. And, like, from just a pure watchability standpoint, it's going to be gross. But, like, got a lot of interesting players there on offense in Chicago. Like, I think Matt Nagy could, like, scheme things open to a point that Winston isn't constantly thrown into tight windows, all that type of stuff. I mean, again, he's not the solution. Nothing the Bears do this offseason is, is going to be the solution. But 
I think he would be just another option for them to like, hey, you you come have a backup job behind a very, very unstable starter. And like you could be our guy come October and we'll see what happens from there. You have a bonus pick here. Uh, yeah, Brett put a bonus on here. And no shock. It's uh, Amari Cooper to the Denver Broncos. I like Henry Ruggs to the Denver Broncos myself, but me too. Uh, the only thing that this, I think this would be an action, despite the fact that like yeah, the quarterback is kind of unproven. I know this is a Drew Lock podcast, but I think it's fair to say easy, that their their, their quarterback yeah. is unproven at this point. To like, we don't know how good he's he's not he's not going to the Eagles with like Carson Wentz. You know, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Uh, but for Amari, like, I still maintain one that he's overrated. Two, like, he has to. He has to function as a flanker slot receiver guy. He has to move. That's where he. That's what he played with Dallas last last year. And I think he should be a one B to like an, a great X receiver. And the Broncos obviously have that in Cortland Sutton. Mm-hmm. And I think you look. Denver has a lot of cap space, and they have a, a quarterback that they are going to be starting this year on a rookie contract. Like go all in. Like get get yourself. Amari, you got Cortland Sutton, you've got Noah Fant there, you got Deshaun Hamilton there, obviously. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, I think that's actually a really, then you have the making of like, wow, this is probably the best offense they've had since freaking Manning was not a corpse, you know? That was interesting. I, 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 also, I it was a that, landing spot that I hadn't seen him projected to yet. So. Right. I mean, I think that that's because the Jets feel like. It, yeah, that feels very likely. Right. And and also poor Mark Cooper, because think about the franchises that he's played at. The, the Raiders, the Cowboys and the Jets, the amount of dysfunctionality that he has witnessed. I mean, would you rate? We should do like a most dysfunctional franchise ranking at some point this summer. How about next spring. week? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> because I would put the, I think that's those three in the top five. Yeah. You'd add the Steelers and then who would round it out? Oh, I don't know. But see, I don't think you can put the Steelers there like anymore. You'd, uh, really? N- maybe. Uh, I don't know. This is the debate. I mean, because people will say wanna, like. You want to talk about people, Mike Pouncey? Right. But, and, uh, the, yeah. It's a preview for next week's pod. But they're right. functional dysfunctional. You're like, oh, I don't get I don't get it. They're, they're the functioning alcoholics. What's their starting quarterback? Well, I just mean like. There's a trickle down for, effect in, for that. In terms of like organizational stability, people will argue that. You know, like they've had three coaches in their franchise history or whatever. Uh, the Rooney's, yada, yada, yada. I don't know. Just three coaches <laughs> who kept a lot of secrets. Sure. Um, but yeah, anyway, next week, coming at you. I think, that's, but I think that's, that's actually kind of good content, like going into free agency. Like, oh, well, too bad for Amari Cooper. He ended up on our third ranked dysfunctional franchise rankings. Boom. I'm You're in. welcome. The idea factory open. Actually, I have a number one. It just came across the uh, Yahoo Sports editorial slack. Seattle Dragons concession worker tests positive for coronavirus. <gasps> Concessions. Seattle Dragons, number one dysfunctional franchise. Oof. Oh, no. Wait, what kind of concessions? If that guy is like... I mean, is if he is he the beer guy or is he like the hot pretzel guy or the <laughs> pizza risk guy? Of infection oh, no. the They're trying guy? to calm it down. I was just trying to find a funny way to the end of the episode. They did not identify the vendor. Well, of course oh, not. Yeah. <laughs> Tim Bryan uh, lives at one two one Wallaby Street, <laughs> Seattle. Really, like, he licked ten pretzels, but you don't know which ones. <laughs> you don't know which ones. Oh my god. Anyway, we will be back next week. You can follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Lowe's underscore FF. That's at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. We'll be back early next week. 
I'm going on vacation. We're out. Boom.